So this morning we have a few things we want to share with the church. Three to be exact. Imagine that. <laughs> this is our three-ish things. If you don't know who I am, my name's Alana. I'm also one of the pastors on staff here. And this is our time in the service where we just let you know the three things that we think are important for you to know in our church family this week. So number one is uh, this coming Saturday, uh, the family of Art Cornelson would like to invite you to a celebration of life. Uh, it's here at the church at one o'clock. Um, many of you who've been a part of New Life for a long time will remember Art and his wife Audrey. They have also been longtime members of New Life Church, and he passed just before New Year's. And so uh, the family, yeah, would love to have you come and just celebrate the life that he lived and what a life it was. It was a life for Jesus. Uh, so that's the Saturday at one o'clock. Good. A second announcement is the coldest night of the year. I've got this fantastic toque. I mean, it is great. Not certain about the beanie, but uh, what do you think? It's, I feel like I got hair now. Yeah? It's nice. <laughs> Thank you, Alana. So coldest night of the year, what is it? What it is is the fundraiser that communities do. Um, it is around those that are vulnerable, those that are in need, uh, those that live in the margin. And our community uh, is going to come. Uh, mental health Canadian Mental Health Association is sponsoring the coldest night of the year, and they are focusing on our youth again in our community, that, those youth that, that do not have a home. They surf from couch to couch or bed to bed, and we want to provide a safe place for them. And so coldest night of the year is a walk. It's a two-kilometer walk, a five-kilometer walk, and it's a, it's a fundraiser to raise funds. Last year, they... they um, I think they raised over $85,000 in, uh, in funds way above what they thought they were going to raise. What was really neat is we as a church participated. We had New Life Church team, and we raised over $6,000, $6,225. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. And so we want to do that again this year, and we want to participate and be because we want to be part of what the community is doing. We do things uh, in the community, and the community has things as well, uh, and we want to be part of that. So all I have to say is that I would invite you to be part of the coldest night of the year. Where is Butch and Wilma? They're somewhere back. You got to stand up so people can see. So Butch and Wilma are our team leaders, and they are, they have a table out here. You can ask them questions about the coldest night of the year, and they do a great job of promoting that. So good. Great. And the last thing, we're looking to fill out our kitchen teams. Uh, this was a pre-pandemic thing that we had, had going pretty good, and it's time to get people Back in the kitchen, can I say that? Yep. As long as it's just people, right? Leave people, people, yeah. Yeah, people. Okay. Just people, people. <laughs> um, and what are we looking for? It's just people that love to, love to serve your church community. Maybe you prefer to do it in the background where, uh, where not so many people can see you. Um, and you don't have to be an introvert to be in the kitchen either. But it's people that can come together uh, for a church event, for example, such as a memorial service, a celebration of life, where we can serve the family by just taking care of those details so they don't have to. Putting out food, cleaning up afterwards, doing the dishes, that sort of thing. It might be for a, a church breakfast, that sort of thing as well. All that to say, if you would love to join our kitchen team, and who wouldn't, uh, we have a registration page on the website. Just go to newlifechurch.ca slash events. You can sign up. I will get in touch with you, and we will get to work. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you, Alana.
All right, I will take off the toque so it doesn't distract you anymore. Oh, beautiful music. Thank you. Introducing uh, what, what we're going to do next. So we, uh, I, we do what we do call the community story here. And that means that it's those in our church family as well as those in our community. And we have a lot of great community um, organizations here in Duncan. And I want to invite up Lisa uh, Parap. Yep. Great. And Lisa is the general manager for um, the Missions Gift Shop. Anybody know where that's at? Thrift, thrift Store. Sorry, Thrift Store. Mission mm -hmm. Thrift Store. Okay, a few people know. Mission Thrift Store. Do you know it? Yay! Uh, good. And we have folks in our church family who, who are involved in that, serve on the board, uh, help in, in the thrift store. And it, uh, we wanted to highlight it because we want you to know what it's all about and how you can be involved and how you can pray for the, the, the thrift store. So I um, thought it would be great to have Lisa as the general manager to come and share with us. And I said to her, why don't you start off and share a little bit about who you are, and how did you make it to Duncan? Oh, that's a long story, but I'll make it short. Um, I've, I came to know Jesus over 35 years ago, and like many of you, I've gone through some ups and some pretty significant downs. Um, lost a husband, lost a child, had a major illness, but God saw me through all of it, and before the pandemic, I was working for another nonprofit, and it was kind of a go-nowhere job because the pandemic kind of destroyed a lot of businesses. And I was praying, God, I need something. I need purpose. Do any of you ever feel like you need purpose? Yeah, I needed a purpose in my life for him. I was single, and I am single, and I, I just wanted to spend the rest of my life serving God in my work and a year later I was called to Duncan in a very fun and miraculous way um, they needed a manager I needed to come to the island because my parents live here and they're aging and I wanted to minister to them as well and God opened the doors and so here I am I came last February the 15th and it's been a whirlwind year yeah, you've done a lot. We have. Yes. So people probably are not familiar with the missions thrift store. Why don't you just let us know the history, because uh, I went through a name change. Yes. And what's their purpose? Yeah, it started as Bibles for Missions in Chilliwack. So it's a BC, um, it, it birthed in BC. A couple of men in a church went to India and they saw that the people didn't have the word of God and that they were illiterate. And they thought, we can teach people how to read and write and we can use the word of God as a textbook. But how are we going to fund this? So they thought, what if we take used stuff and sell it? And uh, it, that's how it started. And now we have 50 plus stores across Canada. I think we're 52 right now. Um, from PEI all the way to BC, we're, we're the most Western store. There's no other mission thrift stores here on Vancouver Island. About eight years ago, they changed the name from Bibles for Missions to Mission Thrift Store, because we used to get those calls, can you send me on missions? Well, we don't do that part. But 
uh, we do giveaway Bibles, and the proceeds from our revenues go to our a ministry partnership with Bible League Canada. And they're the ones who do the missions. They send people out across the world and they train local champions. So those people like right in India, right in Africa, right in the Ukraine, to train their own people in whatever the need is there. Some countries it's literacy. Other countries it's um, building a church community or um, providing children's programming. Uh, they do all kinds of work across the world, and we are their ministry partner. Last year, Mission Thrift Stores across Canada gave over $9 million to, yeah. to Bible League Canada. Yes, and that's something really to be proud of. And um, so, but we're proud because we are spreading God's word, and people are getting saved. I don't have the all the figures from 2023, but in 2022, 1.1 new believers because of that mission. That's good. Million? Million. Yeah. 1.1 million. <laughs> yeah. And it feels so amazing to be part of God's kingdom and working for his kingdom. And what do we do? We take in used goods. We, we receive donations at our back door. We evaluate them, we clean them, we prepare them for display in our retail store, and we sell them. And we do really well. God is really blessing our little store. Last year when I came, we were the smallest store in Canada. We're not anymore. <laughs> Has anyone been to our store in the last month? Has it grown? We have doubled in size. And we have white walls and bright lights. And we have beautiful used goods. Um, so please come and visit us. The other thing is about Mission Thrift Store is we're volunteer-based. I am the only full-time um, employee. I have a part-time employee. And then I have 50-plus volunteers who do all kinds of work in the store. And it's a wonderful community. We have joy every day as we work together. We have devotions every morning, um, and it's just, it's just a place to come and be a part of a very impactful and joyous community where you're loved, you're welcomed, and you're giving to God's kingdom. So that's a little plug for volunteers, just in case you didn't get it. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, you know, one of the things that we have here in our church that we continue to try to promote and, and help church understand is what we call the in, for, and with. And so we recognize that we're in this community yes. and we want to be for this community and we want to be with this community. And one thing I recognize when I talk with you the very first time is that's your heart here. You know that this thrift store is in this community and you want to be for this community and with this community. How is that happening? Uh, because, you know, we talk a little bit, quite a bit about how this money goes out but you do stuff here too. So if, just in a couple minutes, if you could just express that, that'd be great. Yes. Um, well, as you may know, we are located on Alexander Street and Trans-Canada Highway. So we're right in the middle of a really rough section of town. Um, there's lots of people who camp out in front of our store every night and um, shoot up drugs in our, in our parking lot in the back. And they're always there. 
every day. And they're not nameless. They're not faceless. They are created in the image of God. And we need to love them as much as we love each other. We're easy to love because we're, you know, good Christians. Sometimes they're hard to love. But they, when you look in their eyes and you see that Christ loves them too. Um, so what we do is we have a couple of boxes in our back door that are filled with things that they can come and ask for. So they shoes, coats, blankets, um, umbrellas, tents, uh, sleeping pads, everything we can think of that we can help them with. And sometimes what they need is not in those buckets. So then we go and look through the store or we look through our new donations and we try and find what they need. And all they have to do is come and ask. They come and talk to me and I will help them. And sometimes we see them in the back alley and we say, how can we help you? What do you need? Not only that, but we also help some other community partnerships. Um, Meals, uh, Life on Wheels, have you heard of them? Life on Wheels, they help people in the downtown core. Uh, Emmanuel in Recovery. And uh, Meals on the Ground, we give to all of those. And also uh, House of Grace. Uh, so we just give from our abundance. And God has richly blessed us. And what we're giving is a product. We're, because we have to give our money to our partnership. Right. Um, but we do, we do give product. And not only that, when we have the opportunity to minister, we do. And we pray for um, our customers every day. Uh, we don't know their names, but we pray for them. And we pray for people. Some people will come and say, can you pray for me? And we do. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa, very much. So Lisa is going to be kicking around here afterwards out in the foyer. You can talk to her. Um, what she didn't mention is they're looking for more board members. So if you are board interested members. in that, you could talk to her about the board members, how you can give if you have stuff that you want to give. Uh, that'd be good. Uh, I'm going to end with five rapid questions okay. uh, for you. So are you ready? Okay. Okay. Tomatoes or cucumbers? Cucumbers. Ice cream or cake? Ice cream. <laughs> camping in the forest or camping along the beach? Oh, the beach. What's your favorite fruit? Oh, I don't know. Uh, any kind of berry. Good. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Super. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Yeah. Let, let me pray before you go. Okay. Father, I thank you for, I thank you for Lisa. I thank you for the way you, you lead, led and guided her to come to Duncan. Thank you for her heart and her passion to serve you. Those who uh, volunteer in the store and work in the store, those who are around the community uh, and those around the world. Lord, where they are in need, I pray for your provision to come. And I pray, God, that they would just continue to see how you are working and moving uh, in, in their ministry in this community. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, good morning again. Message time. And I will try to take a deep breath. And not rush too much. Um, I'm excited about today, but I'm a little nervous about today uh, because I'm hoping that um, I don't get lost in my illustration. Um, as you can see, there's a door here. And I apologize already for the carpenters that are here. <clears throat> Probably should have called on you 
to put a door up, but it's meant for an illustration, and I don't think it'll fall down on me. That's the main point. So we'll get to the door a little bit later. Hey, last week I talked about the word of the year, and I encourage you to pray to seek the Lord for a word of the year. I, I hope that many of you have been able to do that, or you are on the journey to do that, and to, to, to find that word of the year, and how, you, how that word will be able to journey with God throughout the year with the word. And my wife gave me this idea of, well, what if, what if we encouraged you, if you had a word for the year, to send that word in? And be creative about how you would send that word in. So I'll give you an example of what that would look like. Here is uh, my wife's word is with. And uh, so she, she, she put it down in Scrabble words. She loves to play Scrabble. Uh, as you know, from somebody who's dyslexic, uh, Scrabble is not their game. <clears throat> And so she allows me to play with her, and then I get to cheat. I get to look up words. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Uh, then I don't mind playing Scrabble. But anyway, uh, so she, her word this year is with. And so she, this is what she does. She sits in the morning. This is her table. And uh, she looks out into the garden area, and she's got her journal, her cup of tea, and she is with God. I would love it that if you have your word for the year and you want to be creative and then take a picture and send it in to me, if I get enough of them, then we'll just do a little montage on Sunday morning, one of these Sunday mornings, to see what our words are. There has been some fantastic words that have come, and I'm going, ooh, I, I like that one. I better write that down for next year, maybe. Uh, and so it's been, it's been lots of fun. Well, oh, let me go back. I don't want to go there yet. I have a friend who many years ago uh, tells me a story of him and his son. What happened was is his wife, uh, the, the, their son got to an age where, where uh, he was eating solid food, puree food. And, and so his wife, Judy, thought, I'm going to go away and I'm going to... Um, Spend some time with my family. It's not that far away. It's a few hours away. But I'm going to take a break from watching Caleb, their son, and uh, leave him with his dad. And I, I'm, I'm going to go, go enjoy um, a weekend. So they were doing all their prep. And she was showing Phil how to make the puree food and going over all the details and had the list and everything. And, and, and it seemed like he had it all under control. And so out the door she went, and as Judy said, she thought to herself, what could go wrong? Phil's got this. So off she goes. And so that night comes, and Phil sits down with Caleb, and he's trying to feed him food, the puree food he's fixed, and it didn't matter what he was giving him. Caleb didn't want anything he was giving him except, except for carrots. And so Phil thought, well, I better feed him carrots. So in there, and he finished that little dish, and uh, he seemed like he was still hungry, so he made another dish of carrots, pureed them, fed them those. Third, three dishes of, of carrots, because he feels like, I better make sure this kid does not go to bed on an empty stomach. So he slept like a baby, uh, whatever that means. Got up in the morning, Phil said that, that the the breakfast offering, Caleb loved it. It was fantastic. It was fine. Come to, come to lunch, and again, he couldn't get him to eat anything but carrots. So Phil fed him carrots. And dinner time comes, and, and he fed him 
carrots. He says, you know, the first diaper change, I didn't clue in that maybe there'd be something wrong that was happening there. But he said by, by the evening time, evening time comes, and there was an explosion of epic proportions <laughs> that took place. He said nothing could contain this explosion that came from that diaper. It was just all over the place. And he said, I'm trying to clean up. And then I cleaned it up and it happened again. And it happened again. And, uh, and so he said, it's kind of calmed down. And Judy called and she says, Phil, how's it going? And he was quiet for a moment. And then he told her what happened. And he's like, I think he's looking a little orange. And well, Judy cut her trip short with her parents and came home that night to uh, make sure that there was no more carrots fed to Caleb. Uh, I share that because we are what we consume, right? And, and for, for Caleb, he was becoming a carrot, this little carrot. And he was becoming what he was consuming, and God's desire is, is that we understand how we can consume him, how we can, can become like him. How do we become like Jesus? What does that look like? And so this morning, that's where I want to go. I want, I want to look at what it looks like to become like Jesus. Some time ago, I shared a quote from Dallas Willard. And the quote was this. He says, over his years of experience, he recognized that many of the churches are more concerned about getting people into heaven than heaven into people. I want you to know something as I say that, because I've quoted it twice now, I want you to know that I am passionate about people coming to know Jesus. Some of the greatest highlights in my ministry are the times when I'm sitting with people and I'm sharing how you can have a relationship with Jesus. And they say yes. I mean, it is so fantastic. It is so exciting. So I want you to know that I, I'm passionate about that. But I'm also passionate that it goes deeper than just saying yes to Jesus. That it's who we are. It's our lifestyle. That we're consuming him. That yeah, you know what? Maybe we have some epic explosions of Jesus in our lives because of what we're experiencing with him. That we actually start looking like Jesus. What does he look like? I don't know actually what he looks like, but I do know that he looks like loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I do know that it looks, he looks like loving your neighbor as yourself, about loving the people that are in your back alley, shooting up or in your front door. I do know that's what he looks like. I do know that he looks like what it means to forgive or to celebrate or to rejoice. So this morning in this, I, I want to take us to a place that how do we become like Jesus? Where do we start? So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to put it up here, but as I say, I just love it when we're able to look at it. Maybe it's on your phone. Um, maybe it is in a paper copy. We're going to look a little bit greater space than 
verses 28 to 30, where I'll concentrate. So we're going to start in verse 25. Just so you can kind of get the context. Jesus has been with the disciples, and he's been teaching, and he comes to verse 25 of chapter 11, Matthew, and it says, At this time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to the little, little children. And what he's saying there is that, God, you, you, you have not revealed who I am to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, but you revealed it to the little children and disciples. He says, yes, Father, for such was the gracious will. That you sit here today, and if you know Jesus, it's God's gracious will that you know Jesus. What a beautiful thing, a beautiful way to put it. And then he goes on to say, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. Anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I will, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As I go there and I look at the call, the call is to rest to come and find rest. And I, and, and, and I want rest. I think all of us want to understand what does it mean to rest in Jesus? And I believe that it starts with where, how we come to him. How do we actually come to him? So in this, when I look at his call for us to come, he says, come to me, all who are weary or burdened or who, are in, who labor, come to me. Come to me this way. He's asking us to come, not having it together. But he's asking us to come as you are right now, this very moment, he's saying to you, this is, this is, we can look at this as he's talking to disciples, but he is talking to you right now and he's saying, come to me, everyone here who is burdened and heavy laden. And so in essence, I think that what he's saying is he's calling us to come. If you're a mess, come. If you're broken, come. If you're in need, come. If you are tired, come. Come to me. I can tell you that I, I fit in all those categories at some point. Maybe, maybe in a month, maybe in a week, maybe in a day. I fit those categories. And he is asking that we come to him exactly as we are. That the God of this universe, the God who spoke one word and it came into being, I want to tell you, he can handle you as you are right now. Come. Look at Matthew chapter 26. So we're going to speed our way through Matthew here and look at Matthew 26. I, whoops, uh-oh, that's wrong. Can you put me back there? I apologize. 
All right. So just put my scripture up when it comes. Matthew 26. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, it's a time before he gets arrested. And what I want you to see is I want you to see in this the emotion that Jesus is expressing. Now, he was, he was perfect. He did not sin. He was not sinning. But he was a God who had emotions. He is a person who had emotions. And so I'm going to read this. I messed it up back there. They'll figure it out um, whenever they get there. Uh, thank you. So starting in verse 36, Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two, son, and two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You get the emotion that's there. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Have anybody been there before? Have you actually been so sorrowful you just want to die? You've been so heavy with whatever emotion you have, you just want to die? Jesus is very emotional here. And he, and so what does he do? So he goes a little bit further and he falls on his face and he prayed. And this is what he prayed. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. He's honest before God. He comes before God and he is honest about who he is. Honest about what he's feeling. Honest about what is happening in his life. This is not where his person as a man wants to be because he knows what is coming. And it is deep and it is hard. And that's life sometimes. It is difficult and it is hard. I share that because when Jesus says to us, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, he's calling you to come as you are. So what does that kind of look like in some practical aspects? Well, I've got this uh, backpack here. And uh, I want the backpack to represent your life. Now, some here today, you might have come and your backpack's feeling pretty light. You know, it's like, ooh, yeah. You know, I had a great week with Jesus. And, uh, uh, and you know, if you, were to, uh, you and Jesus were to dance together, it would probably be a, a pretty good, uh, fun dance that you would do. Others of you... If you were to dance with Jesus, it would be a really rough, difficult, sorrowful dance. Raina's cousin passed away. She's just, um, wasn't that old? In her late 40s, 50s? 46. And I don't know what you call him. Um, for me, it was Raina's cousin's husband, Scott, is his name. So I don't know what he is to me, other than I do know he's a brother in Christ. And um, I've been traveling with Scott. We phone every week. We do a phone call. And I've just been traveling in his grief. And he told me that the other day he, he wanted to listen to some worship music, but it was difficult to find something that was matching his soul. And he finally found some music that, that, that spoke into his grief. And it wasn't happy music, but it was soulful music. 
And I thought, you know, what did that look like if, if he was actually dancing with Jesus? It would, be a, it would be a slow dance. It would be a mournful dance. And Jesus was there to mourn with him. So life. My backpack. You know, what does it look like? Well, <clears throat> we carry a lot of things around with us. Lots of things we carry with us in our backpack. And as we carry that around, it's things like, just write a few things down here. Relationships. You know, we, we carry those relationships, and some of them are good, some of them are difficult, but we carry relationships. Some of us are carrying grief. We have grief that we carry. Grief of broken relationships, grief of lost relationships, grief of death. Some carry this pride around. <clears throat> and uh, you don't know what to do. But you know that if you don't make sure that you feel good about yourself, that you're not going to make it. Some of you carry some shame around, and it's shame that comes in this form. Porn. Some of you have this. It's anxiety. There's struggles. It's hard to get up. It's hard to be with people. Some perhaps have this. Unforgiveness in your life. People that don't forgive you or you haven't forgiven. And I'll do one more. Some of you carry this desire for money to be rich, to be famous, to be known. You carry it around. And so we carry these things in our lives. So they go in our backpack. I don't have time to stick them back in my books and uh, put them back, but we carry them. And Jesus says to us, he says, come, come. So I want you to picture Jesus on this side of the door and, uh, and he's calling us to come. And he literally opens the door. Mike, it didn't fall over. <laughs> and he's saying, come, come. And I'm going, yeah, God, I want to come. And so this is what I do. I come and I get here and I, okay, Jesus, I'm here. And I drop the backpack there. Because oftentimes in my relationships, I'm dropping the backpack in my relationships too. When people say, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. Life is okay. I've dropped the backpack. And, I, and I'm doing this with Jesus. I'm come and it's like, yeah, I think I'll just kind of leave it there. Because how am I supposed to come to Jesus? I'm supposed to come with life together, right? I mean, 
That's what it is, isn't it? He came to forgive me of my sins. I'm supposed to be free from sin, and yet I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with forgiving. I'm struggling with pride. I'm struggling with these things. I can't really come to Jesus in them, can I? I mean, doesn't he ask me that if I come to him, I need to come having it together? No. He's asking us to come, not together, but truly as we are. And this is what I'm learning. I'm learning that I'm not only going to bring this in with me in his presence, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to open up my backpack and I'm going to be honest with him. I'm going to put them out because he knows everything. And when he asked me to come because I'm weary and burdened, he knows what I'm burdened with. He knows what I'm weary with. He knows these things. I'm going to sit with him and let him speak to me and say, pride, let's talk about that. Anxiety, let's talk about that. He knows what I need to overcome my pride. He knows what he need to overcome the anxiety, the unforgiveness. He knows, and he wants me to sit with him, and I'm not going to be embarrassed about it because he already knows, and he's calling me with my burdens. He's calling me to come and sit with him because he has the answers. He knows the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. He knows these things. And yeah, I'm going to pick some of those back up. I'm going to struggle with them. But he knows. Sin and our life can really cause some difficulties to come. In Genesis chapter 3, when you read that account, I, didn't, I don't have the scriptures, so you either have to look it up or just listen to me as I read it. But I want you to get the picture because this is not the, how we come to him, how we will drop what we come at the door, we'll drop before we get the door, is nothing new. It's not something that has happened just because we live in 2023. This is what was taking place at the very beginning in chapter 3 of Genesis Okay, I might as well just go through every page. Got it. Okay, so here we are, starting in verse 6. Adam and Eve have taken the fruit, they've eaten it, and it says this in verse 6. So the women saw that the tree was good for food and was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took the fruit and she ate it, and she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Now look at this. Then their eyes were both open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden, the cool of the day. And the, and the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and he said to him, where are you? I stop there. But I want you to see that, that they sowed these fig leaves. They hid from themselves and they, they hid from God. When we drop our bag at the door of entering into the presence of Christ, 
and we're not willing to sit there with these things, it's like we're hiding. But God sees it. Let me ask you, did God actually have to ask Adam and Eve, where are you? I don't think he had to ask them. He, he's God. He knows you're sitting here right now. He knows the very thoughts that you have right now. He didn't have to ask them, but it was actually an invitation to come out of the bushes and to reveal themselves that they had sinned. And God says, now we can deal with it. Now we can do something with it. Coming to him to find rest first has to come when we come unashamedly before him. He can handle it. He can handle any one of these things that I've written here or anything else that you would put down on your own list. He can handle it. And I can only find rest when I actually am willing to bring it honestly before him, my burdens, my struggles. Or I can actually find great joy when I, when I bring it to him so I don't become proudful and say, God, look what you did here. Look at how you provided. Look at how you gave. Look at how you revealed yourself. And I come and I celebrate with him. Uh, or I, I'm, I'm, I've got so much. Oh, man. Because I think about the prodigal son and when he came to God. Or excuse me, he came back to, to home. He came back home. He came. He was stinking like pigs. He probably traveled for days. And he smelt like traveling road dirt and sweat. And he comes to the father, and what does the father do? He runs to him, wraps his arms around him, kisses him, puts a robe on him, rings on his fingers, sandals on his feet, and he claims him as, my son has come home. He didn't say to him, whoa, wait a minute, you stink like pigs, go get cleaned up, get yourself in order, and then we'll sit down and talk. He didn't. He took him as he is. People, wake up, stop pretending. Stop pretending. Stop hiding. You sit here and you want to be free. Well, bring it out into the light. Bring your anger out to your light. Bring your pride out to the light. Sit with Jesus. Allow him to examine. Allow him to tell you where that comes from. And it's not easy. And sometimes I hate it because it's really revealing. But I'll tell you this. I am understanding the abundant life like I've never understood it before. I'm understanding what it means to find freedom from sin like I've never found it before. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. I want to read you one last thing, and then I'm going to give you um, what I've tried to do, which is some practices to make this practical. I'm reading a book right now. It's called uh, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. I know Alicia's been reading it. Anybody else? Anybody else here? Uh, this is a great book. I'm reading it with my son. And so we read a chapter and we talk about it. Um, so I was reading the other day, and this is on confession. This is on page 77 of the book I hear. So the chapter is on um, seek me and know me. It's on confession. But I just love the way he gives this picture. So he says, the biblical story isn't one of compromising God. It's one of, of a pursuing God. And he says, from here, the rest of the Bible is mostly picture after picture of God pursuing love. Here's a summary of the whole 66 book compilation if you want to save yourself some time. I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is that you are loved 
Love right now without qualification or restriction. Love unconditionally for who you are. Loved in such a way that you can't lose. The bad news is that you find it very hard to believe that and even harder to experience it. Your instinct is and will forever be to try to drum up your own lovableness. To become lovable in some way you can define and control. To try to become in your own eyes, get this, what you already are in God's. The good news, it's called grace. The bad news, it's called sin. We have an amazing God. I don't want to simply just rah-rah you. I, I, I want you, I want you to sit and go, I want more of God. And to recognize it's going to take some effort. So, where to go? There's a practice of examine. And oftentimes examine is what happens at the end of the day. Where you ask yourself, uh, Lord, where were you? <laughs> and where did you ask me to be involved? And where did I or didn't I get involved in what you were doing for the day? But I also think there's something about the examine that we can do even with this here today. And so... I've got this on a sheet in the back. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to quickly go through it. If you are saying, you know what? I want, I want to sit with Jesus. I want to take his invitation and come and sit with him because he's calling me to come and I have heavy burdens. Then I would encourage you to read Matthew 11, 28 to 30 a couple times very slowly. And then the third time, I would ask you to sit there and, and picture yourself actually coming in the room where Jesus is inviting you to enter with him. Picture yourself coming to that room with your burdens and ask yourself these questions. What on my list am I most likely to hide from Jesus when I come to him? What in my life is causing me to want to hide these things from Jesus? What do I believe about, uh, about how Jesus will react to the things that I am hiding? This is being honest. And that's what it means. And then, um, should be four, but that's all right. Uh, next, what I would say is, is this. Is spend a few, few moments um, confessing those thoughts that come. The answers that come. And recognize that Jesus wants you to come with him as you are, not hiding, not fearing shame. And invite the Holy Spirit to guide you in coming before Jesus, weary and burdened. And then ask Jesus to take your burdens, your weariness. Show you how to walk with him in those and what it means to release them. And then I, I would say to celebrate. Celebrate in prayer. I love celebration with God. Celebrate what he's revealed. Celebrate with somebody else. Celebrate the victories. God loves a good celebration. So this morning, we're going to close with a song. I'm not going to pray right now. I'm going to invite the team to come up. And Christy and I did not talk about this, but she picked the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Maybe it's not well with your soul. But maybe that's where you need to sit and be honest with God and say, it's not well with my soul today, God. And so as we sing this song and we stand and we sing this song, I'd invite you, maybe not to sing, but to contemplate. Maybe not to sing, but just to come.
Maybe you're going to end up sitting back down and just praying before God who he is calling you today because you have been hiding and he's calling you to come into light. Maybe it's going to be that your response is communion. And, and if you are new here, we, every Sunday we, we offer communion where you can come and take it on your own. And then once a month we do a, a corporate uh, time of communion. And maybe your response is coming to him and, and holding those elements and, and saying, Lord, I want to come clear and clean before you, not hiding. So I invite you to do that now as we sing this song. It is well with my soul. If there is something in which there, you need prayer for this morning, you want somebody just to spend time praying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay up here this morning. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray now and just send us off. But if you want to chat, I'm here. God wants you to be with him in the mess. Lord Jesus, thank you that you call us as we are. And Lord, that you call us to journey with you. And that you can handle anything and everything in our life. And you call us to so much more. That's why, Jesus, you told us that you come not to give just life, but abundant life. Father, I pray for the church family. I pray for us that we will not Come satisfied with just life, even eternal destiny, but that we would desire to live abundant life, kingdom life today. In Jesus' name, amen.